I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the new statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about Lord's new album, Melodrama, and the new BBC singing show, pitch battle. We've also read Naomi Alderman's dystopian novel The Power for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello! Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. We're sifting through your emails, many, many emails as usual. We've got one from Madison who said she wanted to push back a little on our description of Wonder Woman as part of the quote born sexy yesterday trope, which she says she thinks we called sexy baby. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was me. I couldn't remember the name of it. She says, while Diana has no personal experience with death or sexism before leaving the island she is literally about 2000 years old what perhaps looks a little like naivety is just a radically different and far more positive view of the world than that of co-star steve trevor that enthusiasm compassion and belief in the ultimate goodness of humanity are all characteristics she's had from her 1940s origins moreover as a trope born sexy yesterday is usually in play with two-dimensional secondary characters who exist only as plot devices and romantic interests for male leads yeah i guess she's right and i think what we were talking about was just we like that setup as a thing i don't think we were trying to diss the no. script in that part because i actually just love those kinds of moments and things yeah and i like it all the more in something like wonder woman where it's used for comedy and for charm reasons mm. but doesn't imply in any way inferiority it's not used as a power yeah. mechanism yeah we weren't really talking about the born sexy yesterday trope i guess because that yeah is something as madison says comes much more out of here's a one-dimensional extra person mm. who's just going to go through this boring transformation but we yeah we really just liked it as a setup because we got to see wonder woman doing things like trying to hide a sword in a dress which <laughs> i like now this is an extremely exciting email from sarah who writes hi ladies long time listener but really i have listened to every single episode since day one i also happen to be the person who wrote both the maritza eats a baby mouse and cindy becomes jewish stories you mentioned about oranges and new black on your latest episode so cheers (gasps) so this is so exciting this is someone who is a writer for lots of major tv shows including oranges and new black and as we've now learned the writer of two of our favorite storylines oh I love those two so much, especially the Cindy uh, Judaism conversion plotline, which I think I mentioned in the episode. But yeah, it's just literally sometimes I get teary just thinking about that storyline. It's so good. And yeah, it's so exciting to me that someone who actually works on these kinds of things listens to we're us talking. We're not worthy. No, we're really not. <laughs> but thank you anyway, Sarah. Uh, she also 
goes on to say, I'm writing because I'd love to hear you talk about my personal favourite TV show of the last, I don't know how many years, the BBC's Happy Valley, in which Sarah Lancashire plays what I consider to be the best and most complicated and interesting female character I've ever seen in anything ever. Yeah, we've heard so many good things about Happy Valley, haven't we? Yeah, um, it's written by Sally Wainwright, Mm. who um, also wrote Last Tango in Halifax, and she was a writer for a long time for Coronation Street and various other things. And I actually went to a Q&A with her at BAFTA once oh, wow. where they showed loads of clips of Happy Valley. Mark Lawson was the, you know, he was doing the Qs and she was doing the As. And he was obviously obsessed with Happy Valley because wow. all of his questions were like five minutes long and were just so fanish and so like, and tell me how you did this bit and this bit and this bit. That's um, so nice. And it I was love things like that. such a great evening. But to my shame, I've never actually watched Happy Valley, which is something I think we should I know, correct. it's really, what a huge gap in the seriously back catalogue. We must get onto that. Oh, also, mm. stars, seriously favourite, Grant Chester. Does it really? Yeah, I think he's the main villain. I did not know that. Yeah, so I'm sorry I should remember that actor's real name, but forever Grant Chester in our hearts. I don't even know the real character name. (laughs) No, me neither, actually. No, I think Vicar Vicar Handsome. Vicar Handsome, also known as Grant Chester from (laughs) Grant Chester. Anyway, thank you so much for this email, Sarah. It really, really cheered me up in a not very cheerful week. Let's read one more email from the pile. Uh, We've had one from Sarah Martin Hainer, who says that she recently started listening. Shout out to her friend Inga, who recommended it. Shout out to Inga. She was wondering if we had watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She says it takes a little while to get to know the different characters, but it's her favourite show. Also her husband and toddler's favourite show as well. She says the Halloween and Christmas episodes are really great, but my favourite is the Mumps episode. (laughs) (laughs) Having not seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I I mean, I don't know what the Mumps episode could possibly entail other than an outbreak of Mumps. But still, anything that has a Mumps episode, instantly I am disposed to that. As someone who grew up obsessed with school stories of all kinds, in which there's always a Mumps chapter, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am instantly interested in this. Okay. Rolling on to the first thing that we're going to talk about this week. I feel like people would be able to guess what the first thing we're going to talk about this week is because we have already talked about this person before on the show we have and if you follow either of us on social media you will have seen our deep excitement about this yeah so the first thing we're going to talk about is melodrama the second album from new zealand singer lord coming almost four years after her debut pure heroine the pop record is produced by jack antonoff and loosely tells the story of one house party so that's melodrama which i love as an album title by the way yeah me too so great. I remember when she announced that the album was coming and she was like, M blank, 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 A. And I was like, it's either going to be melodrama or monomania. And I love both those words. So this album came out on Friday and I grabbed onto it with my greedy, greasy paws. And I've barely stopped listening to it since. I don't know about you. Same. I've, I can't even count how many times I've listened through it. I did have a long train journey this weekend, like two and a half hours, where I just listened to it on a loop the entire time, which I haven't done with music, especially new music, in a really long time. Yeah, well, Pure Heroine is one of my favourite albums, and I listen to it all the time, Mm. like, all the time. Um, Even, like, in the last... I don't know, year and a half. It's just been one of absolutely one of my most played albums. Yeah, it's one of what I think of in my head as like ring fenced albums because my phone doesn't have much storage on it and periodically I have to like delete music off it in Mm. order to have space for things, but I will never delete pure heroin. Exactly. I so agree. And then I remember she gave some interviews 
way way before the album came out kind of saying like oh i love pop music i love carly ray jepson i love these people and i want to do a really you know great pop album and you know i love pop i love carly ray jepson i you know i love charlie xcx i love that kind of music but it made me kind of nervous because mm. although pure heroin is like a pop album you, i don't think you'd put it in the same kind of like colorful bubbly space as those no, artists at all because it's quite like dark and like very heavy drum beats and like just quite melancholic so I was a bit like, ooh, like always love to see a new direction, but but is this is Lord the artist that I want to go down this route? Um, and I'm like really pleasantly surprised that it's actually not a million miles away from her last album, but it does have some of those more colourful elements, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I'm yeah, I'm likewise very interested and pleased to find out what Lord thinks pop mm. is if you know what I mean mm-hmm. so many things on this album are just completely blissful so I just want to list some of them okay. one is her little spoken word asides mm-hmm. absolutely obsessed with these I've listened to homemade dynamite like a million times just mm-hmm. so I can hear that like quiet spoken word thing that she does oh where she goes like now you know it's really gonna blow that that's great i absolutely love that it's so charming i love her this is a really nerdy singing point but i love her diction Mm -hmm. i love how in writer in the dark she puts the k on dark yeah and is it writer yeah not writer just it's really precise and really meaningful for it i think Mm. yeah i really like that this album kind of lyrically continues with a lot of the things mm. that we know about Lord. Like she, there are certain things that she loves, like, I don't know, very violent metaphors and vignettes of uh, memories, you know, whether it's riding with you in your car or whatever, but like just those little snapshots where you're like, oh, I can see that in my mind. And it kind of pieces together this very textured mm. world, which is one of the things I like so much about her. And she's so into the idea of, parallels and doppelgangers and this kind of thing so like at the beginning of green light the first track uh, one of the i think the second line is we order different drinks at the same bar mm. and then in my absolute favorite song from this album liability mm. the whole first verse and chorus is about how you know i know i just want to cry even <laughs> thinking about it but the whole verse is how you know if i i'm dancing with the girl i love yeah. But actually, and, and she's saying, you know, the only one that I want to be with, we're dancing together. But actually, if an outsider looked, you'd just see me going round and round <laughs> in a circle, stroking my own cheek. So the, the idea is that, you know, she thinks that she's dancing with her best self. Yeah. And actually, she's alone. I love the description of that as well, where she like describes herself and she says she's so hard to please, but mm. she's a forest fire. And I have friendships like that where you're like, this person is so demanding, but like also so rewarding. And it's weird to think of yourself in those terms and be like, yes, I am really hard on myself, actually. And yeah, I'm kind of a nightmare to be in my own head. But do you know what? Like when I feel great, it is so amazing mm. and it's a really rewarding relationship when I feel satisfied with myself. Yeah, even the like, chorus, main chorus lyrics of that song are amazing where she says, you're a little much for me. Mm. You're a liability. Mm. Oh, it's just so It's so good. great. Yeah, and I like that there's a whole strain of like looking after yourself on this Mm. album that I really like. I think it's in Hard Feelings where she says she lights candles all through her house and there's cut flowers in every room. And she says, I care for myself the way I used to care about you. And I think she's so spot on with that thing where like you come out of a relationship and you feel so miserable, but then kind of as part of that, it's almost like inseparable from that is this idea that you like suddenly 
have more time for yourself and like mm. get to indulge your own emotions and your own thoughts in a way that you maybe you haven't been able to before and I think there's a line in Writer in the Dark where she says something like, I ride the subway, read the signs, I let the seasons change my mind. I ride the subway, read the signs, I let the seasons change my mind. I love it here since I start needing you. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah, it's so nice, isn't it? Because I do think you become almost, maybe this is going too uh, pretentious, but I feel like you do feel more in tune with the seasons when you're more in tune with yourself Mm. and when you're like kind of living with yourself a bit more. That particular line spoke so much to a feeling that I always get every autumn, which is I get the what I think is a fairly widespread thing of like, oh, it's autumn, it's back to school. I want Mm. new school shoes and a notebook but then one of my friends always teases me about this that all of my major breakups have been like in September October Mm. I always move house around that time Mm. it's just a moment when I'm suddenly like I need to change everything I need to everything needs to be different because the seasons are changing and just in that little line I was like oh lord feels that feeling too exactly and then she says something like I love it here since I stopped needing you Mm. and I I just think, yeah, that's a, it's amazing to look inside yourself and just find these absolute wells of, you know, things that you can sustain yourself on. And I think she calls it a secret power in Writer in the Dark. And yeah, I think it is something that writers probably specifically relate to quite a lot. But I think everyone relates to that idea that like actually suddenly you can find all this kind of love for yourself inside yourself. And that's like a really amazing thing to gain mm. even when you lose a relationship. Yeah, there's so much of that in this album, I think, even though there's loads of like, yeah, we're having a good time at the party. Also, I feel anxious about it, but we're having an okay time, I think. (laughs) You know, there's all these kinds of competing emotions, but that those are the moments that really stand out to me that kind of cut through the rest. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the lyrics and you wrote a really good piece about this that we'll link to as well. But what do you make of the sound of the album? Oh, I just think it's great. Like, I love that that she is so reliant on these, like, really heavy drum beats, but then there's something kind of ethereal going Mm. on at the same time. And I like that she can, you know, she can do, like, a piano ballad. I didn't ever thought I'd hear a piano ballad from Lord. There's quite a lot of piano on this album, actually, Mm. more than pure heroin, I think. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my, like, eighth or ninth listen that I really clocked that it was even there because it melds very well with the whole soundscape. Yeah, or you get, like, a little bit of, like, three lines that we were just talking about from Writer in the Dark. You get these, like, touches a violin um to kind of lift those along mm. and yeah it it's feels very textured i mean i really like jack antonoff i think he's yeah. really like i do really like his work and I, I i mean i never know you know i haven't got a trained enough ear to be able to say well this is where his influence comes in and where hers you know is taking a step back but i do think they've created something that does kind of mix that i i I associate Jack Antonoff with kind of like synthy, bright, mm. little bit of violin, maybe like that kind of sound, which is not something I associate with with Lord too much. And I like the way that they've come together. Yeah, I also think something that people talked about around Lord's first album was parallels with Kate Bush. Mm. I think partly just because of the way she moves on stage, mm. and also because of her vocal range as well. You know, she can sing really low, but then switch a much lighter, more ethereal voice quite easily. Mm. And I think in a song like Writer in the Dark, she's really developed that side of things. So the way the chorus is very, very low, mm. where she says the actual phrase, Writer in the Dark, and then mm. she, she goes, goes right up high for the for the bit about your mother. Oh, it's, yeah, and it's just, really she does good. that in some of her other ones. Is, mm. is it Green Light where she's doing that as well, where she goes like, first two lines of the chorus are in the lower octave and then she like switches yeah. to the higher octave later on. And the switch is so interesting because normally people don't like to do that. When, when you're like, trained to sing, 
you're trained to cover up the differences. Mm. So you're supposed to what's called your 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 chest voice and your head voice, your chest voice being your lower voice and your head voice being the mm. the higher less supported sound. You're you work really hard to smooth out the differences between that. Everyone has like a breaking note where you yeah. have to switch from one to the other. And Lord just doesn't do that. She just sings with what sometimes sounds like two different voices. Mm. And I really like it as an effect. And I really like it that she hasn't like allowed that to be trained out of her. Yeah. Yeah. There is so much personality in her voice. We talked about that little like that she mm. does on homemade dynamite, but she does. There's loads of little things like that where she's just like literally making noises. Mm. <laughs> and I really like that about her, that she'll bring in that personality. I really like on, I think it's hard feelings again, where there's lots of like, yeah. And then they like cut it and, you know, there's just all these kind of weird breathy things going on and there it's so layered, you know, you could hear one of her songs like four times and not pick up on something that you will pick up on on the 12th listen. And yeah, I really, I just can tell that this is going to be in like such big rotation for me. <laughs> I'm just going to listen to it loads and loads, I can tell. This also gave me a new thought that I hadn't had before, which was weird which was so um i've just decided to buy a record player and like oh, join the people that's so random because like i got vinyl. one this weekend did you really yeah because ah. my dad i went it's father's day oh, yeah. uh shout out to my dad uh adrian <laughs> and i went um to see dad for father's day and left his house with his old record player i yeah. used to have one but it broke and he was like do you want this one because i've got a new one and i was like sure I've never had one of my own and I just and my parents have one that I like, used intermittently when I was mm. a teenager but mostly just for their Beatles records but I was finally like I want to have a record player of my own because I want to like sit and listen to whole albums all the way through and not be tempted to skip them or yeah. anything like that so I've been like researching it and then the Lord album came out on Friday and I was like I want to buy this on vinyl. I don't think it's available on vinyl. Why not, Lord? I want to buy it. Uh, I um, brought home Joni Mitchell Blue, which mm. is one of my favourite yeah. albums. And I saw that in um, a Guardian profile over the weekend, Lord said that she wants to be like Joni Mitchell. And I do think there's even a visual similarity between mm. the blue cover and the melodrama cover, like that kind of face in in blue light. And yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, it's obviously like extremely flattering for anyone to be kept compared to Joni Mitchell. But, you know, I think there's something in that. I think so, too. Yeah. Joni Mitchell, Kate Bush are mm. my two like, reference points for Lord. Mm. And I just think it's amazing what she's doing at a time when I feel like even the most individual artists are in some cases having to like give in to the sound that works for the charts mm. if you know what I mean so like become a bit more poppy or include slightly more like mm. electro-y tropical types of beats in order or like guest on other songs in order to try and bring attention to their other stuff and Lord's just like nope I yeah. shall do synthy violin songs about being unhappy yeah I almost don't think she could do anything else no. I just don't think it would work have you seen any of her live performances of any of these songs she's done like quite a few no, I, I haven't. She, I've just been in awe of her. So there was like, I think it was ages ago now, she did a performance of Green Light and everyone was gifting it, being like, Lord dances like a fully insane person. But oh, I, I have seen the gifts. Yeah. I love it too, though. I love it so much. Yeah, and she recently did a performance of, I'm going to say Perfect Places, and I hope I've got that right, with um, like kind of plants <laughs> on the back of her suit. And then she like, during the performance, like ripped them all off. And it was amazing. And I uh, I bought tickets to see Lord for when her, her tour comes to the UK in September. So I'm so excited. Mm. Yes. <laughs> It'll be great. Oh God, I'm clean out of air in my lungs. It's all gone. Played it so 
which is the BBC's new Saturday night singing talent show, replacing The Voice, which has been moved to ITV. It features choirs and singing groups from around the UK competing in various musical challenges for a £50,000 prize. It's hosted by Mel Giedroch, and the judges include Gareth Malone, Kilis, Will Young and Joe Jonas. I didn't really know what to expect from this show, but it is basically like X Factor, but for choirs. Yeah, choirs. I thought they were going to go for like one of those names that's, you know, like Pitch Perfect, because they do have the guy who helped with pitch perfect like helping them all choreograph and design their performances you know like one of those punny names but am i missing something there's not a thing called a bitch battle right (laughs) no but there is a thing called a pitched battle oh okay Um, so it's kind of punny which is i don't know but it's like a military thing so you'd say Uh, like a pitched battle between the british and french forces okay so i was missing something um but it's a bit random all right we'll allow it bbc whatever (laughs) i'm just gonna go in with this i found it almost unwatchable unwatch- i know <laughs> i know it's unbearable it was so cr- cringeworthy like i couldn't i actually like couldn't bear it <laughs> i know but i don't know i came out the other side no i did how i don't think i'm gonna watch any more of it but i was like is this amazing or is this terrible who could 45 minutes in who can say but also half an hour in i'd watched one battle I know, it's so long. It's so slow, like compared to X Factor where they're literally like clip of someone warbling, clip of someone warbling, clip of someone warbling and then like five minute long thing with sob story. Yeah. Like with this, it was literally like, we've got half an hour, you're going to meet each of these choirs, we're going to get to know like where they live, uh, we'll get them to do, you know, a sing off against each other, we'll have lengthy time for critique from the judges, then we'll get them to do another one, which is like a riff off whatever that is and that oh it just went on for so long it's so long and it's so spacious as a format it just doesn't really work at all baggy but very baggy there are certain elements of it which i found completely beguiling go on then one of which is a choir of middle-aged ladies just like singing 80s pop hits yeah i'm never not gonna love that that. Um, it's funny because i thought that by moving away from the kind of like pop idly format we might get some music that is not pop mm. idly but everyone was singing like Beyonce, Katy yeah. Perry, I don't know, Bruno Mars, all of that, just constant. So I think the musical influences for this show, the repertoire that they've given these choirs, could be summed up as it's halfway between the movie Pitch Perfect mm. and Glee. That's Those are the reference but points for this. But even Glee had Rachel doing On My Own 
from yeah. Les Miserables, but like there was, it, there's none of that. It's literally just like Robbie Williams' angels. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't, it is dreadful. It's completely dreadful. I don't want to pretend it's not, but I don't know. Something about the sight of like choirs of ordinary people trying hard yeah. really gets to me. It's obviously friendlier than any other of these shows. Yes, and there were moments where I genuinely laughed out loud. Like when they do the riff off, which even annoyed me in the movie Pitch Perfect, because mm. the idea of a riff off is apparently that choirs compete and improvise around a particular theme and have to like pick up from each other and it's like a battle in that sense yeah it's not it's like highly choreographed and arranged and everyone's learned all their notes off by heart there's Mm -hmm. nothing improvised about it so that is annoying but i did enjoy the format in some cases where like one choir singing and then they like cut to a shot of the other choir having to listen to them sing (laughs) that's so for them which is really funny because they're kind of like dancing or doing like a little hand gesture that implies like what you trying your hardest what So, but I, I liked it best when the other choir was just like fully into what their yeah. competitors were doing yeah. and there was a great one I can't remember what song they were doing but the other choir were like singing something really good and two of the guys in the one were just waltzing they were oh. just like waltzing with each other yeah it's like this is nice there's also a weird thing which I think often happens with like kind of big American formats that are taken on by like British people and I don't think this is a copy of an American show but, I don't think so but it feels quite American in its just style and they've got this guy from Pitch Perfect being like announcer voice someone's gonna get me a halo tonight here's Beyonce or do you know what I mean it's really cringe and then there's like Mel from the Bake Off literally being like oh I like your beard (laughs) (laughs) you're like this totally just does not match up at all it doesn't work I you know I love Mel like props to Mel but it uh, also I like that the BBC is like finding her more presenting work now Mm. that she stayed loyal after the Bake Off went to Channel 4 yeah Um, I hope they're paying her plenty of dollar for this yeah, I'm not. I don't think this is going to take off. I was reading some uh, news stories about it. Apparently, it was beaten in the ratings by The Voice Kids on ITV. Oh God! So I don't... But it's like all the things you found cringy about, like your friend's university a cappella group. You know, like when people sing with those like angry eyebrows but manic <laughs> smile, and it's like, yeah, I'm doing this, and you're like, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't. Yes. Uh, so for that reason, I think I'll like hide under the table if it comes on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. It did spark in me though. I can't remember how old I was when the first series of Fame Academy was on, but I Lamar, was obsessed Sinead. with it. David, David Snedden. David Snedden with his little dog tags. And I am very happy to admit that for my birthday, the year that it was on, I went to the Wembley Arena to see the live oh, tour of Fame Academy. And that's it, amazing. it's still one of the best gigs I've ever been to. I think I've mentioned this maybe on Seriously Before, but I have so many very specific David Snedden memories. <laughs> I remember David Snedden performing his third i think single on some saturday morning kids tv show and they got his brother to introduce it who was in the crowd and he was like this is david snedden's debut song and he obviously didn't know what debut meant so uh, he was just like just it's it great was, it's a great meant- song here's his debut song <laughs> and i remember being even as a child being like something seems off about this <laughs> that's not what that means david snedden yeah. is not a real pop star but anyway pitch battle to me has the same vibe as fame academy the bbc tries to do a big budget big format reality show it will not work it will not get renewed but some of the people on it are charming yeah i completely agree but i'm still gonna hide under the table when it comes up (laughs) yeah totally Her eyes make the stars look like they're not shining Her hair, her hair falls perfectly without her trying She's so beautiful And I tell her every day When I see your face 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, last week we decided to have a read of Naomi Alderman's The Power, which just won the Bailey's Prize for fiction, and it's this weird dystopian idea. It starts kind of set now, I would say, and all these kind of like 15-year-old girls start to discover that they have a weird electric power and which they can use on other people to basically electrocute them in different ways. And it kind of rolls on from there and it basically imagines what would happen if suddenly sexism could go completely and dramatically in the other way, right? Yeah, so it takes the power that has always propped up patriarchy as the dominant societal system, mm-hmm. i.e. men are physically stronger and can physically subdue women if mm-hmm. it comes to that and turns it round. You know, young women start developing this this power and they can awaken it in older women mm-hmm. and once it's awoken all future women born will have it too mm-hmm. it flips around in viewpoint from different people so you get a young girl who's running away from home uh, another girl who's part of a kind of gangster family whose mum's been murdered in front of her and that's what triggers her knowing that she can do it mm-hmm. um and then a i think it's meant to be in the US isn't it like a woman much older woman yeah. who's a mayor As an aside it really it really frustrated me at these points how much they would um like gloss over where exactly it was. Yeah. They kept saying they the governor at one point goes, "I'm the governor of this state, Margot, and you're just the mayor of your urban metropolitan area." <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> just no one's ever said that. Say the name of a town. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and also a young journalist from Nigeria who's one of the first people to like Yeah, who's extremely lovable. Because it's weird, I think. Sorry, we're really going into it already, but I think it's it's difficult to pitch me a book where you're like, hey, this is a book about like what would happen if a matriarchy was real and we've got these three female perspectives and this like male one who's like starting to feel oppressed. And mm. I'd be like, ew no, I don't want to hear from the man who's starting to feel oppressed. But actually it's a really, really great perspective to have and he is a really, really likable character and when he does feel afraid and and you know scared by what's happening you actually do empathize with him totally you do and he his perspective also gives you a really interesting thing which is that i don't want for a second to suggest that women get physical power over men and everything is great yeah. because actually everything descends into total chaos because just like some men abuse their power now for evil some women do the same thing yeah. and there are instances of like rape and like 
it's just horrible. It's really interesting the way she's done it, actually, because if you'd sold this idea to me as like, oh, a matriarchy happens and then loads of violence happens and it's terrible, I'd be like, oh, that seems kind of shit because I don't know if I buy that. I don't mm. know if I buy that. I feel, you know, there's a part of me, there's a little voice in me that says like, oh, aren't women a bit nicer though? Yeah. Which is probably internalized sexism. And she deals with that really well at the beginning. It's set up as these two writers writing to each other about the novel The Power, which is written by this man called Neil, who is like an oppressed man, like 3,000 years in the future writing to his like female mentor from the men's writing association yeah and he's like oh you know would you please would you look over this he's like really apologetic it's like so subtle the email's amazing i read the email and got genuine chills because i was like i have written these emails yeah it's it's really well done i think that's one of her real strengths as a writer is being able to observe like how people actually talk to each other and the ways in which this can be gendered and stuff and yeah and she replies back saying something like oh neil like love the love the uh manuscript really cool like oh you included some male soldiers you naughty boy you know how i like those kinds of things sexy and then she's like i can't help but feel though that wouldn't a world run by men be you know inherently kinder safer and dare i say it sexier than a world run by (laughs) by women and you're like oh my god that's literally what i was thinking to myself i'm so bad yeah Um, so it's really clever and there's a bit later on where she says i know you don't want to be pigeonholed as just a men's writer yeah yeah but have you considered x y and z (laughs) which is classic it's great and then another bit where he's essentially positing that although historical records have been lost a society run by men did once exist and was overturned by the awakening of the power and society has reformed along those lines and she's saying you know i just i just don't really buy that that could ever happen is there evidence for this is there evidence for this you know it makes sense in evolutionary terms that women would just be stronger more powerful because they're the ones that carry the babies so of course they would have you know reactive aggressive powers to protect the young you know and basically she just flips all of the bullshit science arguments for gender roles around and shows that they work just as well the other way around and it's really interesting because she does it so subtly because in the beginning i think you're so behind all these women with who are finally because a lot of it is rooted in these women's stories that are plagued by patriarchy Mm. so we get two stories from people who are experiencing quite bad domestic violence so as you say this girl's mother is murdered by two men in front of her and then we also get this girl who's basically being abused by her adoptive father and you know you're so behind them finally getting a bit of revenge essentially Mm. and you kind of don't care if they take it too far because you're like great you know you deserve your revenge on like the male populace and she kind of has to quite carefully get you to a point where you're like actually this is bad and she does it in a way that isn't like you know those mras are onto something there's a whole like section of like reddit yeah um, comments between all these different men who are like saying things like you know we should just take a gun to all the schools and shoot all the 15 year olds and you never sympathize with these people you never sympathize with their perspective but you still are like damn it this matriarchy thing is not good it's not going well and i really like the way she explores that shift quite subtly in different ways there's this great recurring motif of the news discussion program yes and it's like it starts off being Kristen and tom and like Kristen is basically tom's like glamorous sidekick and then eventually tom starts to get so frustrated by everything that's going on with the news and it becomes clear that kristen has got the power and then <laughs> tom like has a rant on screen about like men's rights and gets fired and then they bring in i can't remember somebody, eric or someone yeah, like yeah steve i don't know and steve comes in and he's like super handsome and you know they're like hey Kristen, have you thought about wearing glasses it might like help your presence and like steve is saying things 
like, oh, well, I couldn't possibly understand all this, Kristen. You know about this way more than I do. <laughs> and, you know, it's just really interesting to see that get to that, see those things kind of switch over in that quite subtle way. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, something about the style and structure of this book that really struck me that not many authors can do is it's so internet literate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, really internet literate. You're right. It's in so fact, good. I didn't even notice that. I know, which is why it's so good. I, I didn't realise it until I got right to the end. I was like, so, you know, the prologue and the epilogue, but this book are emails. There's, as yeah. you say, this whole verbatim section that are like Reddit comments. Yeah. And then also sort of more stealth stuff about how girls have been sharing private videos of different things you can do with the power for months before any mm. adults actually find out, which, you know, anyone who's done any like reporting on how teens use the internet will know that that's, you know, that's perfectly possible. Girls yeah. can do that. And yeah, and how one of the characters ends up as this kind of like prophet or you know, she mm. leads this kind of almost new religion cult, cult yeah. thing. And it works via the internet. Her mm. message gets spread in viral videos. Mm-hmm. They fundraise via the, via the internet, you know. And it all, as you say, you don't notice it because it works. Yeah, I would never have thought that this was like a book about the internet, but no. there is so much internet stuff in there. And I have like a little paragraph that I wanted to read that I think so well kind of sums up the, why women having this violent ability just m- makes the entire world shift. Mm. And it reminded me of there's this moment in the handmaid's tale in the book where you know when they first get all their money taken away yeah and she's like to her husband like this is absolutely terrible and he's very like oh no you poor thing but like don't worry i'll look after you and there's a little voice in her head that's like oh my god is he enjoying this already he likes looking after me he likes being Mm. in charge he basically likes being in control and then she's like no no no, that's a terrible thought he's my loving husband and like pushes it away and there's this moment where the the mayor that we were talking about is having an argument with the governor that we were talking about and she says It doesn't matter that she shouldn't. What matters is she could if she wanted. The power to hurt is a kind of wealth. She speaks quite suddenly across Daniel, sharp, like the knock at the door. Don't waste my time with this, Daniel, she says. They have this like ongoing conversation and then she goes, she thinks, that is how a man speaks and that is why. And you're like, oh my God, that is so terrifying to think that actually the way that we function as a society is by having men speak over women and speak in a way that is dominant to women, probably essentially because if they wanted to they could physically overpower us and that's kind of the root of it all and that's it's so weird to see it like spell out like that in normal workplace dialogue but it was kind of creepy to me it made me freak out yeah (laughs) I underlined that passage as well actually for the exact same reason that the way that she yeah she highlights that patriarchy is founded in violence which Mm. I feel like is probably words I've said before but not necessarily understood to the same extent it's almost painfully obvious and yet there are just moments in this book where you're like reeling anew because you're like oh my god this Mm. is so messed up so yeah I think we highly recommend this book it's been likened quite a lot to The Handmaid's Tale and I think in the acknowledgements actually Naomi Oldman writes that she she got to be part of some writer mentoring scheme with Margaret Atwood oh wow so the basically the influences are not an accident it's very much like deliberate and acknowledged and I've heard a few reviewers saying that they think in the same way that The Handmaid's Tale has kind of been repurposed for each new generation I feel like the power is gonna get that same status Mm, definitely so for next week I want to recommend you something that I've been really really into even though we're super super late to it which is search party which is kind of pitched as like millennial comedy meets like noirish thriller so it's these four new york friends even friends seems like too strong a word they all went to college together and then the main girl played by alia shortcut sees a missing poster for someone they went to college with and she's like oh my god did you know Chantel is missing 
and none of her friends really really care but she becomes obsessed by this and decides you know that she has to figure out what happened to her and basically becomes an undercover detective and so the whole thing kind of veers between like very very penetrating jokes you witness people you know behaving terribly at the brunch table and then like wait is someone following her (laughs) like your heart suddenly starts beating so it's great I really hope you'll like it. Yeah, this sounds really good. I've read a few interviews with Alia Jorkat kind of promoting this and it has sounded really good. So I'm excited to try it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, where you could also leave us a review. We've got lots of events coming up this summer, including festivals, live episodes and quizzes. Find out more and buy tickets at seriouslypod.com slash events. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.